What is up, Ridge Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight, episode number 59, we sat down with Jamie Oni. And Jamie's, Jamie's an amazing person. I met Jamie during the Warhammer 100, helped pace him in at the end. This man really wanted the Warhammer finish, his first 100. Uh, we talked all about that, and we talked all about why he runs. And it's, it's tough. It's, it's amazing. He's a very inspirational person. So sit back, relax, and hear all about Jamie's experience. What is up, Bridger Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bridger Runners Live. Tonight, we're joined by an amazing runner from Kentucky. He recently finished his first 100 miler at the Warhammer 100, and I only was there for half of this race. And I will tell you what, this race was a beast with this year's challenging weather, the reroute, all the stuff that was happening. Um, I'm like, super excited to hear how this uh, race played out. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Jamie Honey. Jamie, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me on. It's, been, it's great. I'm super excited about this. Um, as you all can see, I'm running alone tonight. Wesley is somewhere in the ether. We're not really sure where he's at this evening, so hopefully he will uh, join us in a little bit. I believe Cam is in the chat, so reach out to him if you got some questions and he'll make sure that I see them. Jamie, let's get into Warhammer. I mean, this is what this episode's about. So let's start with uh, some little bit of training leading up into Warhammer, and we'll go into that first day, which starts in the evening, if I'm not mistaken, on Friday. Um, it was pretty, or was it the evening or was it the midday? Uh, it started Friday morning, Friday morning. 10 a.m. Okay. Yeah. So what was up? What was it like leading up to Warhammer? What were you kind of doing those last few weeks for your training? Uh, well, the last few weeks, I wasn't doing hardly anything. <laughs> I planned to taper for two weeks, uh, basically just walking a little bit, you know, but uh, I planned a two-week taper to let everything rest and heal. But before that, you know, I was doing some previous races, some 50Ks. I'd done the 50-miler, uh, the Big Turtle, in April, half marathon, and still doing my evening runs, you know, five, six miles. And I think about a month leading up to it, I was running about 10 miles every evening, you know. In all honesty, I was probably doing maybe about 40, 50 miles a week, you know. So nothing too, nothing too crazy. No. Um, you said you did the, you had a 50 or 50 mile or how far out was that one? Uh, that was the big turtle. Big turtle. So that was earlier in like March, March, I think that's correct. I didn't know. It was in April. April. Yeah. And how did that, how did that go for you? Oh, it went great. You know, uh, I ran the big turtle in 2020, but it got canceled, but I trained for it all winter. And so I decided to just go out and run it solo, you know, self-supported on the day of the race, you know, just to see what it was like. And, uh, man, it, it handed, it tore me up. You know, it was the first 50 miles I did. I think I finished in like 17 hours and 30 minutes. You know, I was way over the cutoff. And um, I always had in the back of my mind, I wanted to do a hundred. But after that, I was like, it took me a week to get my head straight, you know, you know, if I ever wanted to kind of attempt to do a hundred. And uh, I just realized I wasn't training enough, didn't have enough discipline, you know, and if I wanted to go past that 50K mark, I was going to have to put more into it. You know, running a 50 miles to me was like running three 50Ks. You know, it, it just tore me up. I remember coming off that mountain, uh, at Eagle Lake in the dark and I could hear my wife and kids down there cheering me on, you know, I was shedding a few tears. And I was like, never again will I run this distance. You know, I'm just not cut out for this, you know. Thank you very long to get back at that. It did it. Uh, the brakes. <laughs> I forgot about the pain. <laughs> and I ended up doing the brakes. Uh, yeah, it was in 2022. I think that was in September. So then we got into, you know, 2021, you did that 50 and, rolling up your tapering like you're supposed to not super crazy on the training with high mileage and you start warhammer so you get there friday you guys start at if i'm not mistaken it was actually 10 a.m right 10 a.m yeah. yeah friday so how did the, how did it start how did the first few miles go um your longest run before this was a hundred k if i'm not mistaken so yeah i did the cloud splitter in i believe october of uh, 2020 and uh it had a generous cutoff that was the only race I'd ever been in with 100 milers. And I, I saw how some of the back of the pack runners like me attacked it, you know, and they were staggering the races due to COVID. And they probably went out an hour, a half hour before us. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I went out at my normal 50K pace, you know, thinking I could bank some miles, bank some time. And I caught up to them and they were just fast walking, you know, just taking it nice and easy. By mile 50, I couldn't even keep up with them. And so I told myself, you know, if you're going to do a hundred miler, as slow as a runner you are, this might be the way you need to attack it, you know. And so I went into the Warhammer with that on my mind. And when I signed up for the Warhammer, I was thinking, I was looking around for uh, what I thought an easy 100 miler, you know, most of them have 20, you know, plus thousand feet of vert. And I seen this one, you know, and it's like, oh, 10,000 feet of vert, you know, in June kind of fit my schedule. It's like, I'll make that one my first hundred miler, you know, only 10,000 feet. How hard could it be? As uh, (laughs) everyone found out that day, it was not easy. Yeah, no, no. It was the first time running at that location, you know, and uh, it was pretty rough. (laughs) But, you know, I didn't know what to expect. You know, it was my first hundred miler. I knew what I would feel like at 64 miles. I never went past that. And uh, so I knew the race for me wouldn't really start to about 75 miles, you know. I figured once I got to the, the turnaround point at 49er, you know, that's when it would start, you know. Mm. So I took it real nice and easy up till then. I actually went out dead last, you know. Uh, Mike Wisman, the race director, he led us out to the trailhead, and I was the last one, and uh, he was telling everybody good luck. And I told Mike, you know, this is my first hundred miler. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, but going out too fast ain't going to be one of them. <laughs> so, you know, and the first eight miles is around the lake and they're kind of like what I call Disneyland trails, you know, they're not real trails, you know, but real nice and smooth trails, rolling, gentle, you know, no rocks, no big roots, you know, trails, you know, that you can just burn up. But I had a plan, you know, to, set my pace and allow that pace to get slower over time. So I just talk off at a real easy, slow pace. I turned my watch over just to show the regular time because I didn't want to know what mile I was on. And I knew that it would beep every now and then. I could see my pace. And I think my first mile was like 1545. And I was like, damn, that's too fast. Cause I was supposed to be going 1630, you know? <laughs> and so I was, forcing myself to go slow and I didn't want to get caught up in the pack with everybody else and feel like I was being pushed or trying to keep up you know I had a plan and I was really trying to stick to that plan and the plan worked (laughs) yeah not to not to give any spoilers there (laughs) Um, so you said that first little like eight miles was pretty buffed out and and pretty nice um, I didn't oh, get yeah. to run any part of that because the, the 50s, they took off towards the Shelby Trace Trail up towards the 49er turnaround point where you guys went south I, for quite some time first. Um, what was the rest of that trail like once you got past that nice buffed out area? Well, I came into the Spillway Aid Station, which was the first aid station. I was still dead last and uh, took off from there. And then it goes down by the Cumberland River. And that's where it gets technical. You know, it's just, it's almost unrunnable, especially for a slow runner like me. And uh, man, it was just brutal down through there. There was trees down. You had to crawl over, crawl under. The trail was so overgrown. I couldn't even use my running sticks because they kept getting caught on everything, you know. And it's just like you couldn't get a regular speed going. Couldn't get anything going, you know. It's kind of sideways. And uh my plan was to change socks every 25 miles. And so you run down to Cumberland Falls, 25, 20 miles. And then at the end, they have a loop that goes, crosses the Cumberland River and you run a five mile loop. Now I'd ran that course before in my uh, first ultra, the Moonbow. So I knew that loop was very runnable compared to the section going around the river. And so my plan was to run that loop first, come back to Cumberland Falls where I had a drop bag and, change my socks but my feet was feeling uh feeling pretty jacked up so I was like I don't know maybe I should change socks now you know so I I decided to change socks the first time I hit the aid station so I took my socks off and immediately I knew I was in trouble I had a huge blister on my right big toe 
So I took out my safety pin that's holding my bib on, I popped it, and I was wearing calf sleeves, which the race director recommended. And uh, I noticed my ankles were swelling up and I took these calf sleeves off and my legs were broke out, you know, having some allergic reaction to those. So I was like, don't freak out. There's nothing you can do about it. Just adapt and keep going. So I took two Benadryls for the reaction. I go to put my socks back on, you know, I was wearing exoskin toe socks, and then I was wearing another thin layer of Solomon socks, you know, hope to get that friction in between the two socks, you know. Worked out great at the Big Turtle. You know, I didn't have one blister, and I was like, man, I finally got this blister thing figured out. Well, apparently not, because my feet were already jacked up. So I go to put my socks on, I put my left toe sock on, then I go to put my right one on and realized I packed two left toe socks. So now I'm stuck with the dilemma. I can put my wet right one on or try to put this left toe sock that's dry on my right foot. And it's like, man, you gotta adapt. So I ended up putting a dry one on my right foot and took off, crossed the bridge there to do the five mile loop on the other side of the river. That time I seen Gamp, he was coming around the pavement and uh, waved at him. And I knew that he was five miles ahead of me. I was five miles behind him. And I figured most of the other runners must have still been on the loop because at that point I hadn't seen a lot of runners. You know, I think at that point I'd probably only passed maybe two or three runners and ended up doing the loop, coming back, uh, hitting the aid station again. By that time it was getting dark, lamped up and took off through the rough section again up by the uh, river and uh, was still feeling good, you know, running a slow pace though, walking a slow pace, you know, mm -hmm. crawling all over these logs and everything. Lost the trails a few times, had to pull up my guy app. And eventually another runner came up behind me and she was like, uh, I don't know why I'm worried so much about the cutoffs. I don't want to be out here for another 24 hours either. And I was like, well, we're fine with the cutoffs. And she was like, well, we are for now. And I was like, she probably has more experience than me. So my stress levels went up a little bit. So then I started picking up the pace. So eventually I passed her and um, got up there and I seen some lights and I was like, oh, the aid station, finally. Well, it wasn't the lights. It was some emergency response worker telling me I had to run back just the way I came and some, cause the course was flooded and we couldn't get through and telling me I had to run back and somebody was going to come up, meet me on the trail and take me across on the boat. And I jokingly said to the guy, I was like, man, I can't be taking no outside help. I'll get disqualified. And he was like, no, no, no. The race director said it'd be okay. You know? And I was like, well, what about the cutoffs? He's like, get going. And I was like, man, I don't think he cares about the cutoffs. <laughs> so I run back, finally end up running into this uh, other runner, Rebecca. And uh, we run down, Nobody's at the trail to meet us. Finally, we see some lights down by the river. We run down there, hop on this boat. And we're on this boat and I'm thinking, man, I wonder if they'll allow like a five minutes, you know, extra if you had to detour. And I, I told her, I was like, maybe we should get a picture on the boat to prove we rode on the boat. So I ended up getting my camera out and I was so tired. All I did was end up flashing myself in the face and taking a picture of the boat's floor. That's all I got. So he takes us across and we have to get on another trail and then finally hook back up to the, the original trail that the race was on, get back into, I believe it was Bart Camp, you know, and uh, took off from there, made my way back to the spillway. By that time, I knew I was at least a couple of hours behind my pace, my scheduled pace. And so the stress levels were getting a little bit high. And then one of the funny thing was, uh, Rebecca, she was in front of me for a while and she'd asked me, hey, did you just see that snake? And I was like, what snake? She's like, the snake you just ran over. And I was like, shit, man, I could have done without that information, you know, because <laughs> I just ran Yamacraw a few weeks before that and seen my first rattlesnake, you know, east of the Mississippi. So then I was on high snake alert, you know, got back to the spillway aid station, resupplied up there ran across the dam. Then I got back on those easy trails going around the lake and uh, the snakes were still on my mind, man. And, and I started noticing all these little mice everywhere on the trails and I hadn't seen them, you know, anywhere else. And I figured these mice were all over the trails because of the picnic areas and people leaving scrap food and stuff. And I was thinking, 
oh man, if there's mice here, you know, but there's snakes here. And then everything kind of started looking like snakes to me on the trail, you know, all the roots and rocks and everything. And I was kind of freaking out. And I swore I was stepping on one at one point and I let out a scream and stopped suddenly and it shot a pain up my back. And I was like, oh man, screw this. You know, I cannot keep doing this the rest of the way. So I was just like, if I get bit by a snake, at least it'd be an honorable way to DNF, you know, but, you know, and so I just completely forgot about them, never saw no more snakes until I actually saw a real one at like mile 70. And I just stepped over him real easily and said hi. And I don't think my heart rate elevated a bit. <laughs> I was probably too tired at that point. Yeah. So you didn't have a chance after worrying all night about snakes, especially, you know, every yeah. that's got to be rough at night though. Like if you're like paranoid about snakes at night and there's like, get all the sticks and every little possible thing in the world that's like dark and round on the ground. Yeah, I just totally canceled it out of my mind, just forgot about them and never did see any more. <laughs> nice. So coming back out of that, I mean, that reroute had to be like mind blowing. Like I can't imagine being in the middle of a run in the middle of the night in the middle of Kentucky and some dude being like, turn around, go back that way. And you have to go get on a boat. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I don't like boats. <laughs> like, I didn't know this was a triathlon here. I don't know what we were doing. Get yeah, I've uh, done some canoeing and some kayak and almost got wiped out a few times in those. So big water is not really my thing. So I remember getting on the boat and I was like, what, no life jackets, man? Come on. <laughs> like how the captain was just like, get on, sit down. We're going across. I just enjoy that your first like kind of mindset was there. It was like, well, I can't accept help. I have to finish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then I asked him about the cutoffs and I don't think he knew what I was talking about. He was like, get moving. And I was like, I don't think he cares about the cutoffs. <laughs> so when you made it through all that area and you're back to those, those flat, besides the snake part, but the flat buffed out kind of lake path again, did you feel pretty good going in there? Were you, were you generally feeling strong and kind of put together for the night or were you like, or worried about where you're going to go. Yeah, I was still feeling strong because up to this point, you know, I was still taking it very, very easy. You know, I was mostly just speed walking. If it was going downhill a little bit, I'd pick up the pace a little bit, but I wasn't exerting hardly any energy. I remember climbing up from the boat up a hill and it was steep. I was climbing up with my hands and uh, I was like, man, my legs feel good. You know, I guess all that hill training must have paid off, you know. Going around the lake, I knew I was behind pace a little bit, so I, I decided to pick up the pace a little bit, put in a little bit more effort. And so I was doing that, then my watch went off again, and I was going slower than I was when I started. I was like, and how can that be? I'm putting out more effort. I was hardly doing anything at the beginning of the day, but I guess it was just where the course down by the river had took such a toll on me, you know, and I didn't know it. So I just decided to back off the pace, not try to gain any time, and just settle in at a nice comfortable pace but it just seemed to take forever around the lake i had to pull i pulled out my guy app like two times like how much farther back to sheltoe camp you know but i eventually got back to sheltoe camp ran up on another runner uh reed was his name about mile 48 and uh he said he was throwing up he was having a hard time keeping down his calories and i was just like i don't know man good luck with that i gotta go so I got back to a Chateau camp. They had a drop bags all in a uh, building there. And so I knew I had to go to work. I, I had tape in there, the Luco tape. I was going to retake my feet, change my socks, you know. So I get in there, grab my drop bag. I take note of the time, you know, and uh, I noticed they have a restroom there. So I was like, oh, great. So I go use the restroom, you know, I'm washing my feet in the sink. Then I noticed they had a hand dryer on the wall. And it's like, ah, I started trying to dry my feet on this hand dryer. So I must have, it must have been a sight, me trying to balance myself with one leg and one arm and holding up one foot with this hand dryer and trying to dry my feet because my feet were just all pruned up. I did that for a couple of minutes. It didn't seem to be working that much. So went back out. I got a bean burrito and a Coke from Brandy. You know, I was trying to multitask the whole time, you know, eating a bean burrito, drinking a Coke, charging my headlamp, charging my watch, changing out my goodies. I switched to pack, you know, I switched over to my Solomon pack. Before that, I was using a Raid Light, Raid Light pack. And uh, I was retaping my feet. And uh, I looked at my watch and I was like, holy shit, I've been here 45 minutes. I gotta go. <laughs> 
this is way too long. So I took off, I asked Brandy about the cutoffs, you know, cause I thought they might've extended them because of the flooding. She's like, uh, the next hard cutoff, I think was at 10 a.m. at uh, Big Dog. And I asked her how I was doing. She said, you're doing good, just pace yourself and you'll make it. And so I took off northbound where you started, assume for the 15 mile. Yeah, so we went down, that's a, the first part wasn't that bad. It was like kind of like a slow climb and then climbed up from there. So you said you're feeling good. You got stuff done. 45 minutes. That's that's definitely some time to to, to be at an aid <laughs> yes. station. Um, but yes, I had allowed 15 minutes for once I had a drop bag station. But, for every aid station I had a drop bag. And I, I couldn't believe I'd blown 45 minutes. Sure looks like you needed it, though, at that point. Wasn't was everything <laughs> yeah. overnight that happened? Um, yeah. So we've, so Ava's in the chat and she's got a couple of questions says, uh, she wants to know, did you cry? And did you have a headache? Oh, uh, there was a few tears shed it. I don't remember a headache. <laughs> Too much other stuff going on to think about headaches. Oh yeah. So, so you take off towards big dog and the 49er for the next 50 miles. Um, how was your, how was your mental mindset going into that where you were you feel like you're like I'm, I'm good i'm chugging away or were you starting to get like doubts or things going on i was still go- doing good you know um just chugging away at the miles knocking them off uh the cutoffs were stressed out on my i was stressed out about the cutoffs a little bit yeah uh, i remember um coming into the narrows it's coming up a hill and i ran up on two other runners and uh I couldn't really do math that well at that point where I was so tired and it was another runner and his pacer. And I asked them if anybody was coherent enough to know how we were with the cutoffs. And they were like, ah, oh, we're good with the cutoffs, you know, and uh, they were going a little bit slower and they let me pass. So it was getting daylight about that time. I went into the narrows, got some ice filled up and started making my way to big dog. Uh, between there, I ran into another runner, uh, a young lady. She was moving pretty slow. At that point, I thought we were good with the cutoffs. I told her that, uh, hey, we're good with the cutoffs. We just got to keep moving. You're doing a good job. You know, she was hobbling pretty bad, you know. So I went around her, made my way to Big Dog, climbed up that steep-ass hill that they cut going to it. You know, there was a mudslide coming back on us got into big dog and uh, that's kind of when I realized how hard it was because uh, the volunteers at that point, they informed me there was only 18 of us left out of, I thought there was 55 in the race, but apparently only 50 started. And so I was like, only 18, must be a pretty hard race then. They were like, oh yeah. And I was like, cool. So they asked me if I wanted a breakfast sandwich and I was like, hell yeah, I want a breakfast sandwich, egg and cheese on that. And I said, I want it all. And uh, resupplied up, dropped off my headlamps. I always kept one on me for a backup emergency. Grabbed my egg sandwich and took off walking and eating. And I was going down the big hill coming back up uh, to Big Dog. Or going down, leaving Big Dog. If you're coming back into, you remember that big ass hill we went up. And uh, that's where I seen Brandon the winner. Uh, seen him the second time. I seen him down at Cumberland Falls. Man, I think he was like eight miles ahead of me. But then he had to be 30 miles ahead of me. But then, and man, he was still going strong, man. You know, I mean, that dude was a beast. I mean, I was kind of hobbling down this hill. And this dude, man, he was running up this hill. You know, I look back at it now, man. He probably felt a lot of pity for me all that laid ahead of me there that I didn't know. <laughs> But uh, kept on going, uh, finally got to Hawk Aid Station. And uh, by that time, I was getting pretty tired. I think maybe Hawk was around 62 miles or something like that. And uh, we filled at Hawk. And I didn't get like two miles out of Hawk and just got hit with a wave of emotions, you know, hit the valley, boom, emotions hit. Tears started coming. You know, I took out my phone, started videoing it because I always like to video that stuff, you know, just show people, you know, hey, this is what it's really like, you know. You know, I was, of 
questioning myself. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make the cutoffs, man. You know, I'm stressing out. I was, I was asking myself, why can't you just run a 5K like normal people? Why are you going to do this? <laughs> you know, and uh, and then eventually a few minutes it passed, kept on going. And uh, the blisters started forming just like within a matter of minutes, you know, it just seemed like a blister would just pop up and then like two minutes it would pop and then the pain would hit and then it kind of go numb again. <laughs> so kept going. And uh, I think I was getting pretty close to the 49er aid station. I rode in there and I was extremely hot. All I wanted was ice. And I was like, I need to get some ice. And the guy was like, no, go to the bottom of the hill and get your marble. I was like, shit. <laughs> and he was like, here. He took a sponge, dipped it in cold water, squeezed it over my head. It felt amazing. Down the hill, I went to go get my marble. And I was still pretty stressed out about these cutoffs at this point. And all these 50 milers are coming in. I was like, why isn't everybody stressed out like me about the, the cutoffs, you know? And uh so at that point, my feet felt jacked up beyond belief. You know, I got my drop bag there and I had an extra pair of shoes in there. And uh, they had a little bit of drop. I was wearing ultras, the Olympus fours, you know, with the zero drop. Mm-hmm. My plan was to change out shoes and socks there again. And I thought the different feel of shoes might pay off in the long run, but I came out here just not changing shoes at all because I didn't really want to see my feet. I thought my, my right foot was really hurting bad. And I thought, I imagined it being all bloody and like black and with like frost bit, you know, somebody coming off Everest. And I was like, damn, man, what if I lose my foot, you know? And I was like, well, I'll just get one of those blades to run with. It'll be fine, you know? And I was like, man, my left foot doesn't feel that good either. You know, what if I lose both feet? And I was like, well, I'll just get two blades in. Then I'll have to use running poles the whole time. You know, but uh, it sounds crazy, but now, but I was exhausted, but that's how determined I was to finish this race, man. I was like, if I lose my feet, to hell with it. I'm, I'm going to finish this damn thing. So I, I grabbed my drop bag and I found a chair out of the way and I started changing my shoes, but I didn't want anybody to see my feet because I was afraid they were going to be so jacked up they might pull me out for medical reasons. But I took them off and they looked about like they did at mile 50. They were all white, wrinkly, blisters all over the place. But I was like, okay, I'm good to go. Change socks, put the new shoes on. I had plans to like brush my teeth, feel better, you know, change my shirts. But there was just no time, you know. I just grabbed calories, socks, shoes, and left. And at that point, I knew what time I had left shell toy camp which was the finish line and i still couldn't do math so i had to do it on my fingers and i was like you know it's counting on my fingers and i was like holy shit i left nine and a half hours ago and i knew i only had nine hours and 45 minutes to get back so i called my wife explained the situation to her you know i was like um there's no way my body's breaking down the heat of the day is coming on and she was great. She was just like, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Keep moving. Run. If you can't run, then just keep walking. Just keep moving. So I said, okay, hung up and I took off running just as fast as I could. I brought my sunglasses with me in case it got sunny that day. And so I put my sunglasses on. So uh, basically nobody could see the tears coming <laughs> down my cheek. You know, the 50 milers were still coming in and asking me how far to the aid station. And I didn't mean to be rude, but I couldn't even answer them. I was just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, I was just hauling ass, going as fast as I could. And eventually I caught up with another 100 miler. And uh, I asked if I could run with him for a while. And he said, sure, you know. And so that took a lot of stress off you know just to be able to follow someone I didn't have to look for the course markings he had a pacer and that's when I really realized the benefit of a pacer you know his pacer was great she was telling him he was doing great she was calling out okay we got 1.6 miles to the next aid station when we get there we're going to get you this we're going to get you that she was like you're 
your wife, your kids are going to be so proud of you when they cross that finish line. You know, all that pain is going to go away when you cross the finish line. She was pulling out her phone, playing Eye of the Tiger for him, motivating him. And I was like, oh, man, this is great. And I asked her if I could uh, tag along with them. And she said, my job is to get him to the finish line on time. We're going to make it. If you want to run with us, you'll make it too. And I was like, oh, great. I'm going to make it. So we keep going. And I asked her about the hard cutoff at Big Dog at 6 p.m. And she was like, I don't know. Is there a hard cutoff at 6 p.m.? And I knew there was a hard cutoff at 6 p.m. Now my stress levels went back up because if she didn't know there was a hard cutoff at 6 p.m., I don't know. Then about that time is when you came up behind us. You were running a 50-miler, and you'd asked me if we were 100-milers, and I kind of just groaned, yeah. And uh, you said how you heard the, how the brutal the course was the night before, you know, how people have been quitting left and right. And I couldn't even respond, you know, I was just like, uh, I don't know, man. And uh, eventually there was a wide spot. I let you pass and you ended up passing the hundred miler and the pacer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, we came out onto the gravel road and it got wide and something just clicked to me. And I was like, man, it's now or never. So I ran up behind you and I was like, man, I don't want to slow you down, but I'm just going to try and keep up with you as much as I can, you know, because I'm really worried about these cutoffs. Yeah, because I remember coming up behind you and I like <clears throat> was just kind of hanging off for a little bit until I was waiting for a spot to pass. And then I, I passed and I got between you and the other hundred miler. And I was like, like you said, I asked, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I heard it was pretty rough. I was like, whatever, how are you doing? And you're like okay, more of like a grunt than anything else. Um, it was just like <laughs> a uh like like a yes but like a uh, like sound instead of like an actual like verbal yes yeah. <laughs> and then i passed the other 100 miler and i just kind of took off and i was like you know i'm just having fun i'm you know training for my hundred so this wasn't really like a, a race race and i just remember keep hearing like sticks cracking behind me like someone's someone's there like but i really wasn't like looking too much behind me and then i got up to the top of that that gravel piece when we came out in the gravel road and then you had like hollered something at me and then I like stopped and I looked back and you're just like, and that's when you came up to me and you're like, I want to try to keep pace with you. I just want to run. Like I need to, I need to go faster. Cause you were, you were t- talking about those cutoffs and everything into big dog. And you're like, I need to move quicker. I was like, you're like, can I just run with you for a bit or whatever? And we took off running and started chatting at that point. Um, yeah. When I took off with you, man, it was the pace doubled. You know, and the funny thing about it was the faster I ran, I, the less pain I felt, you know, just going at that slower speed, you know, it's just so painful. But when I hooked up with you and we started running at a faster pace, it's like all the pain just kind of went away, you know. And then we hit that ridge line, then all hell broke loose. I thought a damn tornado had touched down. Yeah. The wind came and the rain came. There were trees cracking, falling, limbs falling. The trail had turned into a stream at that point, and I was just running, looking up at the sky, waiting to get taken out by a whim. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to trip and fall. I'm not watching the trail. And it's like, well, trip and fall or get killed by one of these trees or limbs falling out of the sky. I don't know. Yeah, it got rough at that point because, like, we we watched it blow in, and we were looking up, and we were like, like, oh, wow, those those are moving. And then, like, at one point, that one branch – cracked and like there was like an eight foot log that like landed like in front of us maybe like maybe 50 feet or something like that and i was like i don't we gotta move yeah and then i think i was screaming now this is a damn ultra yes you did (laughs) i was i was afraid they were going to cancel the race and i was like oh my god they can't cancel the race i got too much invested in this now man yeah because at this point you're over 80 you're 30 i think i was around 34 miles in when i came up to you so Something I checked my watch and uh, my fastest pace was eight minute mile. And I know exactly when it was. It was that moment right there. And we took off so fast. I don't know where the energy was coming from because I was like, oh my God, I might have a heart attack. I checked my watch. My heart rate was like 143, 144. I was like, hey, I'm good to go. Let's keep going. Yeah. I remember yelling at you. I was like, how can you even see, man? Your glasses were all fogged up. It was raining so hard. Yeah, I was just trusting where my foot was landing in front of me at that point. I, I just remember like you and I both kind of having that realization that that the that stream crossing was gonna get bad. Yeah. Very soon yeah, if it we, stayed that heavy. 
Yeah, it seemed like we were kind of leapfrogging those other two 50-milers. And uh, eventually it was just us four and we kind of all agreed, hey man, we got to get to that creek that was like thigh high that morning. Seemed like nobody could remember where it was, but we all knew we hadn't crossed it yet. And so it was like, man, we have to get to this creek and cross before all this water gets or it's going to be impassable. So that was the go. So we were all just going as fast as we could. And I remember telling you, it's like, man, if we get to a point where, uh, we think we're going to make the cutoffs. We might want to slow down so we don't get injured and break an ankle here or something. Then I was like, nah, man, screw it. That's a pussy way to look at it. Just keep on going. <laughs> yeah. So we just eventually went from dodging, you know, all the puddles to just running through everything down that hill, made it across. And I think it was, some, it was like getting, it was definitely higher the second time through that Creek when we finally made it down to that point. Um, and it was still <sighs> raining all the way through to Big Dog, wasn't it? It was still raining at Big yeah. Dog, kind of just lightning, like starting to light up when we got there. Um, so we've got Mike Anderson and Michael Gamp in the chat tonight, and they're both kind of curious. Uh, how did you do going back down that hill after Big Dog? Because we rolled in the Big Dog. We had 15, about 15 minutes from that 6 p.m. cutoff, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we rolled in at 5.45. Yeah, so we had 15 minutes and like, I know I went over and like saw my fiance Jackie and we, I was doing my AIDS kind of stuff over there. And like, you know, you had, you took off cause you're like, I, we got to go. And then I came up and I took of, off just trying to get some, get ahead of you a little bit before we took off running a little bit to let my heart rate die back down. Yeah. And then they offered me a shot of bourbon and I was like, <laughs> Oh God, I cannot do no bourbon. But somebody must've been doing it because that thing was full at 10 AM that morning. And then it only had like a couple of shots left in it. Yeah. It's like no bourbon for me. But for, for Michael Gamp, that, that hill after Big Dog was that sucked for us. It was Yeah, I, I basically went down on my butt. <laughs> you know, that was just a big mud slip and slide. I just <sighs> slid right down it. Yeah, I wish there was a rope the whole way down because I just jumped from tree to tree pretty much. Oh, That's yeah. kind of the way I managed it. Um and then I remember I remember getting out of the bottom of that and then I started like turn up the pace a little bit to try to catch back up to wherever you were. And then I eventually caught up and I, we were at one of those rock spots and you were just kind of like sitting waiting. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I forgot to wait for you. I got a little bit ahead. And so yeah. like at that point we stood back up and we were like, we knew pretty much at that point we made it through that aid station and that hard cutoff that it was like, as long as we kept the pace, it was, it was very doable to yeah. finish. Yeah. We we were still going. I always remember you asking, you ready to run again? And I'm like, okay, let's go. So we were running. And I remember you saying, I feel a lot better about the cutoffs once we get to the Narrows. That's the last aid station. Then we only have six more miles to the finish line. So mm -hmm. that was a go. Get to the Narrows. Then we only have six more left. Now, we did that. I remember pulling into the Narrows, and I was just exhausted. I was leaning on my pose. One of the volunteers called me by name. was like, how does she know my name, you know? Asked if I was okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. She's like, you're almost there. I think you were at the aid station getting some fruit, maybe some Coke. And mm -hmm. I'd walked up the hill a little bit, just to try to gain some ground on you before we took off again. And I got up to the top of the hill, sat down for like five seconds to rest. And here you were again. You ready to run? Okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah. I didn't eat anything at that aid station either. So I was like, only six more miles left, you know. Are the calories really going to do me any good? Am I going to get any use out of them? Or is this just going to upset my stomach? So I just chose not to eat anything, which later on was a mistake, you know, because I had to down that last boost, you know, yeah. to get going. Yeah, and so we ended up, those those were nice couple spots because they were like the gravel sections. So they were pretty runnable and we weren't have to like, neither one of us really had to look at anything, just kind yeah. of chug along. And then we came back in after that station and we dropped back into the, the trail and we were with that other 50 miler and his pacer kind of just chatting about the trails. And he was a, I think a native from the area. So he's pretty used to running on those, those trails. Um, and we had all that climbing. That's when I kind of realized that that last little section had all of that weird rock climbing and, you know, large jumps. And there was that one spot with the rope near the end that we have to climb back up. Oh yes. And so yeah. I was like, well, we should, we should, we'll be fine. We just got to keep moving. It was only, you know, six miles from the end. And then it was like borderline, like it was just starting to get dark. You know, we were like, okay, we'll, we'll probably need the headlamp at some point, but it yeah, was just I was hoping to make it to the end without the headlamp. But I was, I remember pulling out my headlamp and I was like, man, here I am lamping again. 
lamping up again for the second time in this race. I was supposed to be done by daylight, you know. Then we met Cynthia up there on the trail, and you had to turn her light on. She was a 100-miler. I just remember, man, how strong she looked. I didn't have a doubt that she could just turn right back around and do that course again, man. She was yeah. a beast. <laughs> she, she looked like she was out for an evening stroll. Yeah. Yeah, just, I asked her what she thought about the race, and she was like, you know, I think it's pretty rough. It's a pretty tough course. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, man. It's my first one. <laughs> uh, David Hargraves in the chat says, great job, Jamie. He said he's proud of you, buddy. Um, so then we got those last six miles. So what are you, what are you thinking at that point? Well, I mean, you're mentally very tough, but like from the point that I know that I came up behind you guys and started running with you like that, I was like, I was like, this man wants this win really bad. Like you could just tell like with the drive, <laughs> yes. the, the, where you, I don't know where you dug down to pull that extra energy out when we took off and you were like, you know, 80 some miles in and finally like running like 12s next to me, 11s, like pace until, you know, we were walking some of that too, but we were like in a 12 minute pace and just running. And I'm like, where did you, where did you get that from? I don't know. I was surprised myself, you know, all I knew is I wanted to finish a hundred miler and I had so much invested in it physically at that point that I was going to do anything. I was going to finish the hundred miler no matter what. I just didn't know if I was going to make the cutoff at that point. Mm -hmm. So I was stressed out pretty big time about that. But um, yeah, the last six miles, well, those were the roughest because I think my brain just knew I was getting so close, you know, and it's like any, any run, you know, as soon as you get close to those few miles, which I didn't know where the end was, you know, because I wasn't looking at my watch. And when I did that section, it was all in the dark. So nothing looked familiar to me. Mm-hmm. But it was just take one step at a time. It's like, well, I can make it to that tree. Let's go to that tree. And I remember telling you, man, it's like, John, man, if you don't care, just at least get me to the pavement. If you get me to the pavement, then I can make it to the finish line because I was afraid. If I lost you, I'd probably just lay on the side of the trail and just pass out at that point. <laughs> yeah, I remember running ahead near the end just a bit, like trying to make sure I could find the – because the the uh, markings got real thin right there at the end. So it was kind of hard to see, especially when it's all open like that with the trees and there's not like a lot of like clear to find around down by the, the river and stuff like that that's down there in those creeks. So it's yeah. not like it's not very well defined. So you're kind of just looking for that that glow. And at one point – we were very close to the end and I'm like, I was like, the road has got to be here. And I remember like stopping and I'm like, I was like, Jamie, I don't, I haven't seen a, a marking in like, I don't know how long. Yeah. I think that's when, cause then when I pulled out my phone, I pulled it up on the guy app and I was like, Oh, it's this way. You know? Yeah. We were, we so were right so on rocks. You know, you, you couldn't even tell there was a trail there. Right. And I mean, we were right on the course too. Like when you pull that, your phone out and looked at the the course we were like right there i was like okay we just got to trust it and just kept going and eventually we found one again but man yeah. i was just like because i was worried at that point because like i was worried about making sure i was going to get you to the the road like he would ask i was like i was like we stuck through this i was like i'm not gonna fail him <laughs> like yeah i was like we're gonna but find that, this course at that point we're down to the minutes you know it's like nine it's after nine o'clock you know <laughs> we got two o'clock to make it yeah and i remember looking at my watch and like for some reason I did math wrong or I forget what I did, but I, I think I was looking at the per mile setting and I didn't, I didn't hear it click over a mile. So I was behind a mile. And I remember looking at you at one point and I was like, we got three and a half miles and 50 minutes or 40 minutes. And you're like, what? Like just dead <laughs> in the face looked at me. And I was like, and then I realized I did my math wrong. And I was like, Oh, two and a half. I'm sorry. And you're like, I was about to be like, dude, we got to run. <laughs> <laughs> but then um we were good on that part because we're like i was like we have like an hour and something to finish like two and a half miles I was like we're fine so we, we come up near the end and i remember i remember being ahead of you and i was climbing back up to the road i finally got to the road i could hear some people cheering up there and i, I get to the top of this this climb and i'm like right there looking at the road i turn around i see two people standing there and your wife's there and she's like who's who's behind you I was like, oh, it's Jamie. And she's like, just like screaming, like just immediately yeah. I said your name and she just started screaming. And then I think they ran down and it was one of your friends and they ran down to you. Um, and then kind of like walked you up a little bit. Um, what was that like? 
you were very close at the end. You at that point you knew you were gonna finish. You know, you you ran across. Oh, How was that? Yeah, oh, man, it was just a sigh of relief. I was like, oh, thank God, this is almost over with. You know, my buddy Ed, he came down the trail and he was like, holy shit, man, you're gonna make it. You know, because they weren't supposed to be at the race until like eight eight o'clock i think 8 30 but they got there quite a few hours earlier so they've been watching all day all the 50ks and 50 milers come in they said it didn't take them too long to figure out who was who you know the 50ks they were still looking pretty good the 50 milers are looking banged up then they'd see somebody just come crawling in look like they've been to hell and back it's like oh that's a hundred miler right there you know but yeah um, i see my buddy ed and i was just like ed don't forget to get my drop bags, you know, because I didn't know if I was going to pass out since I hit the finish line. I didn't want to leave all my gear. So I explained that to him. He's like, I got it, man. I run up to the road. My wife, Rebecca's there. She's videoing it, you know, she's happy. And uh, she said, yeah, there's still more hundred milers out there behind you. And I was like, there's only one that's going to make it because we haven't seen anybody for a long time. And that fast pace we ran that you know, when the storm came, I don't see how anybody could have caught up with us. But uh, yeah, going into the finish line, man, it was awesome. You know, I was telling my wife, you know, how I'd overheard, you know, like uh, at Big Dog, they were saying like, yeah, they're thinking only like the elite runners were going to be able to finish the course. And I was like, I'm not even supposed to be here. You know, <laughs> I'm a slow ass runner. And I was like, I just wouldn't quit, huh? I jacked up my feet so bad. I don't think I'm going to be able to run for a month. So why quit now? You know? And uh, I don't know if I remember telling I don't know if I remember telling you or if I just thought it. I was like, man, when I get to that finish line, I don't know if I'm going to puke on or if I'm going to punch that damn race director. <laughs> but uh, you know, those feelings had passed. So I get up to the to the finish line. Mikey hands puts the award around my neck, hands me my buckle, you know, and I told him, and it's like, man, that damn course is a monster, man. And I see you off to my left and I grab you. And I told Mike, I was like, I would not have made it without this man right here, you know. And I would not, man. I mean, I can't thank you enough, you know. And um, then about that point, I could tell that my body was going down and I didn't want to pass out and be taken to the hospital in an ambulance right there. So I told my wife, I was like, you better get me to the car. You know, so I went to the car and basically passed out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was I think it was great. I, I came across the finish line and I was like, I ran right over to like Mike and I was like, I was like, you got like it. I was like, you got one and maybe 200 miles coming right up there, right there. And he's like super excited about it. And I was like, just like, you know, I jumped over and said hi to my fiance. And we were like, turned around and I was like, all right, where's Jamie at? I was like, he's got to finish. Like, don't tell me he's not going to like run it in or anything. <laughs> You know, that close at the end. Tell me you passed out on the side of the trail. <laughs> yeah, I was like, not that close. I mean, you were like a quarter mile when I left. So I was like, yeah, you're definitely going to be there. But I, like I said earlier, I think you could just tell from from the point that I like started running with you. There was there was this like you had a why and you had a reason to run. And it was very, very apparent when we were running and stuff like that. So I was very excited to see you finish. If, I think oh, it felt yeah. better to see you finish than even me finishing. Like I didn't. Yeah, I can't thank you enough, but I was hell-bent to finish it, you know. Uh, it sure. was, I don't think you could have asked for a, a better first 100-miler. You know, I went in expecting an easy one, but, man, you know, uh, I think you always remember your first one, you know, all the other ones, maybe not so much, but this one just turned out to be the best. You couldn't ask for better. And Mike just puts on such a great race, you know. I mean, that man could put on an ultra in Iowa and somehow come up with 12,000 feet of vert somehow, you know. But uh, it was a wonderful race, you know, one of the best experiences ever. I mean, definitely the hardest thing physically i ever done. Uh, I don't know where the energy came from somewhere. I mean, I was just hell-bent and determined to get to that finish line. Yeah. Well, like I said, I was glad to see you finish that, so um... – says we've got i know michael gamp asked earlier on i think instagram it says or he said um what was the question that he had uh how was training because you live you're from kentucky in that area so how how was training over in like the eastern kentucky area like beneficial towards this this race 
I run a lot of Carter Caves. It's about 20 minutes from my house. Uh, definitely can't hurt, you know, Carter Caves, if you know anything about it. There's certain parts of it that's pretty technical. You know, you can get a little bit of bird out there. Terrain's similar, you know, but I don't care what you do, man. I don't know if anything can prepare you for that course and just the rain and the conditions. You know, my big concern going in that race was the heat. The heat wasn't really a factor. It was just the wet feet constantly you know as soon as you put dry socks on you go a mile or two and there'd be another stream crossing well, so much for dry feet or it'd start a little downpour then you'd be soaking wet again you know and you're just constantly getting wet was the ordeal for me and the feet you know but yeah the training here where i live in eastern kentucky i, I can get some vert you know definitely doesn't hurt nice so Leading into all this running stuff, what if we go back further, kind of what got you maybe into running um, and more about like why Jamie's Jamie? Ah, uh, well, that's a funny story, but not too funny. Uh, in November of uh, 2017, I got diagnosed with stage four cancer. Uh, I did six months of six rounds of chemo and two years of immunotherapy. And the doctors told me that they could treat me, but they couldn't cure me. And they told me to take care of myself. I didn't need to get overweight. I didn't need to get diabetes, cholesterol problems. And so I thought I'd start running a little bit to uh, stay in shape, stay healthy. And I thought I'd run a marathon. And I thought that was the pinnacle of running at the time. And I had some complications with treatment. I missed my marathon. A friend offered me to come and run a half marathon at Carter Caves, a trail run. I'd never ran on trails before and just absolutely fell in love with the trails, you know. And, uh, and so that's kind of why I do these things. Uh, one's to show my daughters, you know, that uh, no matter what life throws at you, you know, you got to stay in the fight. And, um, I use it for a mental strength training for the next time when I have to go through treatment. Yeah, that's, I think that explains so that, the why. That, that's uh, yeah, that's a strong why. And I can always fall back on that pain, you know, like in the race, it got hard, you know, I could just ask myself, you know, is it as hard as that time and that other time, you know, when you were uh, suffering with things and the answer was always no. And so I was like, then keep moving. You know, keep moving. That's what it was all about. Just keep moving. So forward progress. So when you went from those like halves, like when you did a half on the trail, what was the the click to go ultra? Like, because you don't need the ultra part to probably like maintain if you're trying to maintain your your health, right? But that mental piece of it seems to be pretty important as well to you. Just. Why does anybody do those things? I just wanted to see how far I could go. You know, you know, once you do a half marathon, what do you want to do? I just skipped the whole marathon thing, never ran one and just jumped in straight into a 50K. I didn't know what a 50K was. I had to Google, you know, what 50K was, you know, it's like oh, 31 miles. I couldn't, I thought people only ran 26.2. And then I figured, found out that people run 50 miles, you know? And so every time I did one, you know, I would sign up the next morning to do one a little bit farther. You know, I did my first 50 K and people asked, Oh, what you're going to do another one. I thought that was a one-time life thing. It was like, Oh no, baby, I'm just getting started. <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, it's how far you want to go down, down deep in this rabbit hole, you know? And I thought by now, you know, I would get tired of it and move on to something else, but I just keep wanting to do more and more and more, you know? You got, you got to push further. More hundreds. Yeah. Anything longer. Definitely got a lot to learn on hundreds, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you were talking about some out West really long races. Oh yeah. Those and... are just dreams for now. Dreams for mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I can't well, say too much for my wife, you know, she'll get upset. <laughs> but I, I think you got the ability to do whatever you want to do, man. I love to see that you're out there pushing it and and being so happy and positive and it's amazing. Yeah, to see. it's a wonderful sport. You know, it teaches you a lot about yourself. 
And another thing too, you know, like where I went through chemo, chemo is a lot like the ultras, you know, it, it breaks your body down, then it starts on your mind, you know? And so that's why I do these things to strengthen my mind. So the next time I go through chemo, I'm stronger because every time I go through chemo from here on out, it's going to be a stronger dose. The doctors told me because my body will build up an immunity to it. And so it's, it's only going to get harder from now. And so I take it upon myself to keep on doing, doing harder things, you know, to get mentally prepared for that. And I like being out in the woods and I like eating. <laughs> yeah. Eating, eating's the important part for most ultra runners, right? Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I know I find that, tremendously inspirational and I, I you know I, I appreciate you sharing that with everyone in the community this evening and, and being open about that stuff I'm sure that takes takes some courage to be honest about you know the things that hurt you the most or whatever are the most challenging for you in your life so I appreciate yeah that. I've never discussed it it's a pretty emotional thing and uh, I'm a pretty private person about it I'm trying to be as honest as I can about it you know yeah, and I, I just hope that someone sees this and you motivate somebody else to do something good. Yeah, I, yeah, I hope so too. That's why I chose to talk about it. You know, so maybe someone else will see it and they can see. You know, hey, you can still do things. You know, do hard things. Yeah, and you did about the hardest hundred mile there is probably is right now. <laughs> we'll see. I'm curious <laughs> to see how the other ones stack up against it. You know, I got no business in the rim to river in the fall, so. I'm uh, curious to see how they stack up to it because everyone I talk to, you know, you know, people will say, Oh, this is my fifth one. I was running with one dude. He was like, uh, this is my ninth. And this is the hardest one by far, man. You know, and people were telling me, Oh man, you got this one. It's going to make the other one seem so much easier. So I just feel blessed that this is my first one. So I can compare it, you know, and so it'd just be so memorable being my first. And I constantly was reminding myself of that all throughout the race. Hey, man, this is your first hundred miler. You know, you've trained for this. You've wanted this for so long. You know, enjoy it. You know, be in the moment in every mile. Don't be thinking 20, 30 miles down the road. You know, enjoy this mile right here. You know, you've wanted this for so long. Envision crossing that finish line, you know, for so long what it would be like. But when I hit the finish line, man, I was just numb emotionally. You know, it was just such a wild ride of ups and downs, ups and downs. By the time I got to the finish line, I was just like, oh, I'm done, man. Yeah. <laughs> My body kind of went into shock afterwards. You know, I've seen pictures of like Brandon, you know, the, the winner, you know, looked like he changed and was holding his medal. Not me. I was in the back of my wife's car, laying on a thermal rest, shaking. My teeth were chattering, you know, and I was moaning. And, and then every now and then I'd turn the light on and look at the buckle. <laughs> and I'd smile, you know. <laughs> and then I asked my wife again, hey, did you see my buckle? <laughs> <laughs> like, I got it. And it wasn't yeah. after the cutoff. You made it plenty of time yeah. to spare. Yeah, I think I had 35 minutes, you know. I always like cutting them close. I'm, I think I'm the slowest runner you've ever had on here. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. I mean, I'm on the show, so. <laughs> you were definitely faster than me that day. I only did 50 miles, so there's a reason I was yeah. faster than you. I probably would have well, been in the same you, spot. You ever wanna, I told you, if you ever want to do it, I'm your pacer, man. I yeah. still hold by that. Anytime yeah. you need me, you give me a call. I'm your man. So, like, I was thinking about that doing that one next year. I don't know. I think I need to. I just think it's, I have to. Oh, I, I swore that, uh, that that never again, you know, I even posted on my Instagram, you know, like some ultras are fun and you want to do them again. This is not that type of ultra. Then two days later, I was like, you know, that wasn't that bad. I think I'll try it again next year. <laughs> but if I do it next year, like I got to, I got to tell Michael, he's got to have the the boat cross like we need the reroute we need the storm like it needs to be just as tough with all oh. the bridges that were down that were supposed to be up well there's two bridges i think there was two that were knocked down there's two or three i don't know so we had to cross more like yeah it was just everything was your feet were wet from yeah just soaked yeah yeah my feet were wet just for you know basically 36 hours <laughs> um David Har Hargraves wants to know how long it took you. I think you said that, right? 19 hours or, oh, sorry, not 19 hours. We, 35 we had 35 minutes. Hours. 
25 30, minutes, I think. Yeah, because it was 30, 35 minutes from the cutoff. Yeah. So, cool. Well, we've got some uh, short questions that we do here at the at the end of the show. Okay. Um, and so these are kind of rapid fire, whatever you want to say. So what's one thing you can't leave an aid station without? Uh, this one, it was definitely ice on Saturday. I was just looking for ice at every aid station, trying to cool down. In general, it's uh, pickles and definitely pickles wrapped with bacon. I really dig those. Yeah, I'm I had those at Roaring Gap, Roaring Gap 50K this year. Yeah, that sounds actually really good when you're yeah. out, way out there. Yeah. Yeah, pickles. I had a toothpick going through it and it was wrapped in bacon. And I was like, oh, that was good stuff. Do you have any uh, pre race rituals? Um, I usually try to eat before 6 p.m. The, the night before, just so I make sure to go to the bathroom before the race starts. And I used to uh, used to eat like three or four Cliff Bars to try to get the calories in, but uh, the treatments kind of lowered my immune system, so my mouth would flare up sometimes with bacteria. So I found it was easier to drink Boost and get 360 calories that way. So I usually drink about three Boost, you know, a couple hours before the race to get those calories, and that's how I was getting most of my calories on this race. You don't remember, if you recall. <laughs> yeah, I remember you would stop. You'd be like, I need a boost break. Yeah, that was the first thing on my list at every drop bag. Drink a boost. Drink a boost and a small protein shake. You know, I was getting like 520 calories just like that. <laughs> what about a post-race meal? Uh, just whatever I feel like. It, it seems to... It's different every time. Sometimes I'm craving a cheeseburger. Sometimes I'm craving a beer, you know. Sometimes, most of the time, it's just a seltzer water. That's what I really want. <laughs> um, what's your favorite place you've ever run? I would have to say uh, Lake Tahoe. Oh, that is gorgeous out there. What did yeah. you run out there? Uh, I didn't run a race. I used to work on a fire crew uh, for the Forest Service, what they call hot shot crews. And I worked out there and uh, we would do PT runs out there. And my superintendent was just a crazy runner and he had us just, I hated to run, still don't like it that much, but he would have us running like, you know, 10, 15 miles up the Sierras and around and down in the desert and wherever, you know, but just beautiful Beautiful country out there. That's where me and my wife got married. And so that's where I'd like to do my first 200, you know, do the Tahoe 200. Hopefully you don't get in trouble now. Yeah. Um, if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball, what would yours be? ACDC. It's a long way to the top if you're going to rock and roll. Nice. Don't have that one on the playlist yet. So that's a, that's a great addition. <laughs> Oh yeah. There's a Spotify playlist that has all of these songs that we've asked from everybody. So it is a very interesting group of songs on there. So it's always fun. Like if you put it on shuffle, you're like, what in tarnation am I listening into <laughs> for some of them? <laughs> um, uh, if you could run with one person in history of the world, even if they aren't a runner and assuming they could run and keep your pace, who would it be? Oh, my wife. She's my favorite runner. My favorite person to run with, you know. You could say someone for from history, but would you rather run with someone you don't know or run with someone you love doing something you love? I mean, that's that's an easy one. I always love those answers. They're great. Um, last question here we got. Any sponsors or anyone that you want to say thank you to? Uh, no sponsors, no coach. Um, I just want to thank everyone who told me uh, – Running 100 miles was stupid. I couldn't do it. Uh, it's a dumb thing to do. They pissed me off enough where I was like, hold my beer and watch your shit. And now you got the buckle to prove exactly. it. Exactly. Like, what now, asshole? Yeah. Who's laughing now? <laughs> um, I think it's about it for this evening. I think um, this is, I mean, it's been amazing. I've, I, can't say thank you enough for coming on and talking to us tonight. It's, it's been amazing to especially talk back through, um, and, you know, hear in a more long format, the story that led up to me running into you in the middle of the woods, um, which yeah. like, you know, as me and my fiance have talked about, like, it's just, I don't know, it was meant to happen. So. Yeah. 
I consider us Warhammer soulmates, man, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We ran that last, what, eight, 18-ish or 16-ish yeah. miles or whatever it was in. And so it was it was a blast. I had a, I had a great time that day. Um, yeah, that's just what's so great about the community, you know. You just pick up a random stranger and you were willing to help me out, you know. And it's just, it was great, man. Awesome experience. So Sweet. Um like I said, thanks again. Uh, Return of Nation, thanks for watching. Thanks for asking all the questions tonight. Um, as always, you guys are great. Um, we'll be back next week with a another episode of Bridge Runners Live. So we'll see you then. Bye, everybody. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners Live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Nation. Oh, 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 oh